It's Boomers and More, a podcast for the baby boom generation. Views expressed on this program are those of our guests and hosts and should never be taken as professional advice. In other words, you're on your own, kid. Okay, Boomer, here are your hosts, Randy Kendrick and Bob Heidi. Well, hello, Bob. Welcome back, everybody. This is Boomers and More. And this is Bob Heidi. Randy, uh, great show. Yeah. Great show. I think that the last episode we had uh, where we spoke with Mark Federhoff, I learned a whole lot of things about how to avoid scammers and uh, what to do if you get scammer calls. And I uh, hope that was interesting to our listeners as well. Well, and I learned a lot about how that uh, scam business is uh, is done. I, you know, I had no idea that it was quite that uh, intricate. You know, I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of talent that goes into being a crook, apparently. I guess so, because they are certainly creative and ingenious in the way that they try to take money from Americans with their on-the-phone scams and over-the-internet scams and so forth. And we're here to help people keep their money. That's right. We want everybody to learn something from this. I know, like I said, that I did. And we've got a great guest today as well. Um, I had the opportunity to interview uh, someone that has a company that is working to stop those robocalls from coming in at all. And uh, his name is Aaron Foss, and his company name is Nomo Robo. And uh, you can guess what that means. I love the name, Nomo Robo. Yeah, it almost sounds like a... uh, like a car wash or something, but it's, it's not that at all. <laughs> but uh, I, I found his technology interesting, and hopefully we put this uh, into enough layman's terms that it makes sense to our listeners. We don't want to go too technical on this stuff, but we want it to be useful, and I think we accomplished that. Well, you know, it's one of those things where a good idea was there, and it met the technology, and somebody who was willing to, to do it, and now there's a solution to some of these problems. That's right. So why don't we go ahead and get into that interview after the break, and we will do that. We'll be back with Aaron Foss from Nomo Robo. This is the Boomers and More podcast. Welcome back to the Boomers and More podcast. I'm your host, Randy Kendrick, and we have a special guest today. Aaron Foss is CEO and founder of Nomo Robo. Thanks for joining us today, Aaron. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got started in this whole concept of blocking robocalls, which, as you know, are the bane of everyone's existence these days. There we go. Right. So many people say to me, like, oh, you must have like gotten tons of robocalls and you must have been, you know, you finally found a way to, to kind of get back at them. It couldn't be further from that. Uh, I am a guy who entered a contest from the FTC. <laughs> um, the FTC had it was called the Robocall Challenge. And uh, this was back in, in uh, 2013. And they, uh, they said, like, can anybody out there, out in industry, because, right, you know, solve this robocall problem. The FTC was doing everything they could. The FCC was doing everything they could. The carriers were doing everything that they could. And they wanted to kind of attract people from outside the industry, right, just everyday people. Um, that being said, right, I have a ton of experience with telecom. I'm a, a programmer with an MBA uh, I'm kind of a, a serial entrepreneur. This is actually my my fifth company, and and it's usually what I do is I I find big problems, uh, put together the systems that solve them, build that up, and then sell 
sell the company. So I had, I had just, uh, my last company had just been acquired. Um, and then the FTC challenge came along and I said, oh, that sounds really interesting. And what I realized with the robocall challenge is they didn't want the best technological answer, right? There's a lot of ways to stop these, but they, what they wanted the answer was something that could be given to a consumer, you know, tomorrow and they could start to do it. And I just had a very creative way of doing that. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. I won the competition, launched the, the company as a, a real entity. And uh, yeah, we've stopped uh, it's, you know, over uh, two and a half billion robocalls in the last uh, seven and a half years. And, and the fight doesn't stop. No, the, the uh, hackers and the scammers and the robocallers are very creative and they find ways. You know, my, my dad used to say anything that somebody can lock up, somebody can figure out a way to unlock and break into it. So look, man, these guys are these guys are businesses. They're business owners, right? They're, they're running an illegal business, but their job is to keep making money. Right. And they're yeah. really smart. They're really good at this. And, and uh, it's amazing the, the ploys they use to bring people in and suck them into their scams. Uh, you would think that people would uh, not fall for them anymore, but they keep coming up with, uh, with new ones. And as the old ones uh, get circulated and uh, they're, they're very creative. So uh, I'm very interested in this uh, prize. Was there a, a, a cash award to help you develop this out of that FTC uh, contest? Yeah, exactly. So that's how, and this was super controversial. Um, again, this was like eight years ago. Um, and the FTC put up $50,000 of their budget, right? This is taxpayer money and said, hey, we're going to give 50 grand to somebody who is out there. And and there was so much negative publicity around it. Like, well, shouldn't the FTC, they're basically asking somebody to do their job for them. Um, I look at it differently. Obviously I'm biased, but I never would have known about this problem. I didn't get a ton of robocalls. Um, if it wasn't for the publicity and the prize, right? It wasn't about the money. It was more about bringing this problem um, uh, to, to people who hadn't thought about it. And I think that it worked out um, really well, obviously. Well, you obviously are a visionary uh, entrepreneur. I mean, you talked about all these other businesses. Before we get too in-depth about No More Robo, would you care to share any of those other uh, ventures that you started? Yeah. So, you know, working backwards, right. And, and look, most of them were, were horrible failures, right. But you, I find that you learn more from your failures than your successes. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think we can all say that, like I, it, there's even was it Edison said, you know, I haven't uh, tried like 10,000 different filaments. He's like, I haven't found 10 things. Uh, I haven't failed 10,000 times. I found 10,000 things that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, I work with uh, entrepreneurs. I'm uh, an entrepreneur in residence over at uh, Hofstra university here on Long Island. And this is what I work with them. And basically, you know, saying exactly this, like what, okay, what is the problem you're trying to solve? And and then hopefully with my experience, right? Like we had a, a medical software company, we created uh, software for helping pediatric oncologists to create their orders. And uh, hopefully you or none of your uh, listeners have experience with, with pediatric oncology, right? There's kids with cancer, right? It's really, yeah. really bad. Um, and the way that the doctors, because all of the treatments are experimental. So they have these uh, guidelines, these, you know, three, 400 page PDFs that they have to keep track of. Every, and right now, every, not still to this day, everything is kept in, you know, Excel files and this, that, and the other thing. And uh, we were like, oh, well, this is my, my partner was a pediatric oncology uh, nurse. So we're like, oh, this is a great idea. We're going to put it together. We're going to make it easier for the uh, physicians to do everything. And it, the physicians loved it. Um, they were, they, they saw the, they had, you know, they saw the vision that we had and everything. But the problem was, is that like administration had already invested millions of dollars in their EHR systems, right? The, the ones that, you know, they use that run the whole hospital, they were not going to go and buy a kind of a one-off thing to help. Um, and that was, again, like it was a great problem to solve. 
but we realized it was called smart chemo. We now refer to it as the smart chemo problem, right? Like the physicians wanted to buy it, but they weren't the ones who were writing the check. Mm-hmm. And administration in the hospital who was writing the check didn't see the value in it. And I, I recommend to everybody, like um, it, the person who's seeing the problem and they're paying to fix it, that's the kind of businesses that you want to be in. But um, again, that's just kind of one of the examples that I've learned in, in my career. Well, you know, it's uh, interesting to me because in my background is uh, in telecommunications and uh, product management as well. So uh, one of the things that we always hated was getting caught in spreadsheet hell. I mean, everybody had Excel, but it's always not the right tool for the job. And uh, certainly uh, this sounds like a case where there was a great benefit to these uh, these yeah. kids and families that were dealing with uh, the pediatric cancer problems. Well, that's the thing, right? I'm working backwards to from like, you know, robocalls, right? Billions of these things every single day and, and kids with cancer. Uh, my first real product actually was called the Wing Dipper, which was a specially designed cup for dipping buffalo wings. Now, there we so go. I was eating wi- yeah, I was eating wings one day and you get that little round cup of dressing. You can't get the wings in it. And so basically I, I, uh, you can take that, like a, it's like a smushed clover. You kind of like pull the edges out so that it's long for the flat wing and then it's still round for the drumstick. And then, uh, it was also much, much shorter so that for the restaurant, you would only use, you know, one and a half to two ounces of dressing, um, instead of three or four or five, right. That giant cup of dressing that they bring. So it was a lot less waste. It was a better experience for the, uh, for the user, uh, for the consumer, um, and then, yeah, we just kind of launched that at uh, the National Restaurant uh, Association show. So that was sold in, in bars and restaurants all over the United States and, and Canada. So, yeah, there are some trivial things that, right, like the biggest, I, I always say, like, work on the biggest problem that you can. At the time, that was the biggest problem that I could do. What now, you're anyway, right? <laughs> there we go. Right now, it's now it's protecting people from uh, from from scams and spams. Yeah. Well, that's that is uh, that's, that's quite a variety of uh, entrepreneurship, <laughs> I would say for sure. Again, no matter what I've done, everybody always remembers the wing dipper. That's why I love always love starting off with that too. That's a good story. <laughs> I, I love it, and you know it's a problem I've encountered as well. So it's good to know there's a solution out there. You there know, you go. We're interested also in helping our listeners avoid uh, not only the nuisance robocalls, like but the, like I mentioned, the scams that are perpetrated by these criminal enterprises, and a lot of them are offshore and uh, doing all kinds of spoofing and making it look like it's a, a number from your local uh, area or your local exchange. Uh, so maybe we can just go back and start a little bit about how um, this became a solution, what the solution is, how it operates. And I, yep. I, and I believe I, I do understand it works through a, a blacklist, and we'll get into that mm-hmm. more as we go. But maybe you can explain a little bit of the basics of, uh, of blocking those calls and uh, of letting the consumer avoid even receiving them. Hundred percent, actually. And let's take a, a you know hop in my time machine and go way back to the '80s when caller ID was first invented. And if you remember, that was also like right around deregulation um, when AT and T was one company right before it got broken up into all these different small companies. And when it was when caller ID was a trusted um, uh, because it was internal, right? It was you could leave the doors to you, the rooms in your house unlocked because you have a front door. Well, that was fine, right? And and AT and T was setting the number of the calling number and everything was fine. Problem happened. And that seemed innocuous at the time. And again, if you were hopping in my time machine and I was to talk to the inventors of caller ID, I would say, make sure that you certify it, that the person who is calling, right. And they're like, well, we, we don't need to, this is a closed system. And they're like, eh, one day it's not going to be. And that's basically what happened, right? All the phone companies got broken up. Everything had to operate uh, together competition spun up. So it's, and that's a good thing, right? Like we have 
free local and long distance. And we have, you know, cell phones and all this stuff. You can, you know, use data sitting on the train. These are all great things. Yeah. Regular monopoly, you never would have had those things ever up here. At least it would have been a lot more restrictive, I would think. You got it right. But with every, it's like a, you know, every good thing has its bad, everything, the unintended consequences. And that one small thing where people said, you know what, we're just going to trust the caller ID leads us to where the problem has been for, you know, what, 30, 30 years, Mm -hmm. because anybody can set that caller ID and because every carrier on the network has to carry every call. That's what the government said. Basically, you can't because it would be anti-competitive, right? Hey, if I can go and say I'm not taking calls, you know, Verizon could say I'm not taking calls from AT&T or T-Mobile could say I'm not taking calls from this, you know, the small regional player. Again, great intentions, but, you know, the the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So because of that, fast forward now, anybody, you know, can plug into the network and start a telephone company, telecom company. Anybody can set that caller ID to be anything that they want. And people like money. Right. And when you put that together, and there are various levels of morals and ethics that come in here. And so you find a, 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 a less moral or ethically uh, you know, bound person who sets up a telecom comfort company that says, I don't have to, you know, I'm just, I'm just playing by the rules, right? I'm not looking at who my client is or who my customer is. Boom, the robocallers can kind of jump in through there. And then uh, it's like ants in your house, right? If they find a little bit of a way on there, there's no verified caller ID as of right now. The the carriers and the government are are changing that with something called stir and shaken. But we can get into the technical pieces. But uh, to this day, right, like that's the reason that robocalls are prevalent. If any one of those things hadn't happened, we would not be getting blown up now. Fighting it, right? We need technology. So in the first case, you know, it's a block list that's and on our end, right? We're we're analyzing hundreds of millions of data points each and every month. We have uh, honeypots, algorithms, all these, you know, machine learning, all these all these technical things. But what I like to just tell people is it works like magic, right? We're an editorial service, and our algorithms and our our backend, and you know, we're always tuning now. We have a team of ten people here that you know we're one hundred percent focused on stopping the robocall problem. But in so many words, consumers. Consumers shouldn't have to care about that, right? Consumers don't care about how the phone system works. They shouldn't care about how robocalls get on the system. They should just care to not get them. Yeah, that's uh, uh, the, the fact that they're going to be changing that caller ID. And we'll talk a little bit more about that program as well. Um, you've got the time with us today uh, in somewhat of a non-technical way. But yeah, the, the open caller ID where anybody can spoof a number, uh, it has caused a whole lot of this. And so maybe we talk about the, uh, in basically layman's terms as much as possible, but how does Nomo Robo, which by the way, we love the name. It's a great name Thanks. for the company. Yeah. Uh, but how does that uh, operate in the background mm-hmm. uh, and prevent those calls from going through? Sure. So let's take some like easy examples. Um, these are companies that, and let's say like, um, you know, the, the fake uh, social security agency or fake Medicare or something like that, right? Um, let's just say that some of them will actually get a real phone number and just start pumping out calls from that phone number um, with a less reputable provider, right? And they'll use that for, let's say, a, you know, a couple of hours and then they'll burn it and go on to another one where they'll spread the traffic out over multiple carriers, right? They have all ways of, of catching, of, of, of hiding their tracks so people can't catch them. But when you're sending out that many calls, uh, with one single phone number, right? And we're seeing it coming into our uh, all of our detection algorithms. That pattern to us is pretty obvious right now. What's the difference between a 
a bad robocall or a fake Medicare or a vehicle warranty or something uh, versus a good robocall or like, um, you know, your prescriptions are ready or it's your doctor's office, right? That's where things, you know, blocking all robocalls is very, very easy. Uh, blocking only the bad ones is extremely, extremely difficult, right? That's kind of where the, you know, what we wind up doing. So making sure that the good ones can come in, the bad ones stay out, um, takes a ton, right? It takes a ton of technology. The, the scammers are using technology to push these out. Um, and so basically what happens is it's analyzing each call. It's seeing pattern. You mentioned spoofing. There's a, a technique um, and spoofing. Let me pause here for a second. Actually spoofing people just think like, oh, you know, what is that in specific? But in, from the way I look at it, there is no such thing as spoofing anymore. You can basically set the caller ID to be anything that you want. And so these guys will get one number and set it to that and send it out, or they'll do something called neighbor spoofing, which is it's your same area code and exchange, right? They'll just change the last four or five digits, right? But in so many words, like people think, well, just take off the fake number and get to the real number and you'll catch these guys. That hasn't been that way since, you know, like decades ago when there was like copper lines that connected two people, right? Now that it's all digital, right? There is no such thing. It's just enough. And it kind of like, I always do this example, like my, I have Vonage on my office and I have Vonage on my, the app on the phone. If I call from my Vonage app, it shows the same number as though I'm sitting here at my desk. Is that spoofing? Yeah, uh, not really. And is that a, <laughs> is that a bad use of it? No. Cause like wherever I am, I need to be able to answer my phone and talk to people. So that's get kind of in the weeds and it was a little bit long winded, but right. So everybody should just like, forget about spoofing. Just know that that's the way the system works. And then things like, again, it's called stir and shaking, which is basically trying to certify the caller ID, basically saying, okay, I don't know, the person who's sending out I am X, Y, and Z, and then that's being certified. And I don't want to pull, know if you, when you want to pull this thread, but um, it's actually not really intended to stop robocalls. We can kind of get into the details there, but that's the way spoofing and caller ID works. So, Hope I didn't get to. Uh, no, that's, that is the good information. And uh, I'm curious too about the, uh, differentiating between the good calls and those that are not good today uh, without the sh- uh, stir shaking and without all the things that are being built now. Uh, I can imagine there's uh, instances where, uh, and I don't know that this it really works on this technology, but I'm a little bit detached from it now, but uh, things like reverse 911 or say a mm-hmm. uh, emergency, uh, a lockdown at a school or something, and they need to notify and do a blast out to uh, the neighborhood. Uh, how does all that interact with the fact that um, the bad robocalls would be being blocked and you don't want to block them all because there are, like you say, good uses for this technology? Yeah. And we this was stress tested at the beginning of the pandemic, right? That was everybody just there were so many uh, good robocalls going out that we had to make sure right? all the algorithms were tuned when we see that kind of volume from unknown numbers that we've never seen before. That's going out to you know an entire region to jump up and say, no, that's bad. So we actually had to be very vigilant at the beginning of the pandemic to make sure that the closings and the warnings and the, you know, and now as we come out with the vaccinations and the um, uh, test results and things like that, um, it's never perfect, right? We call them false positives and false negatives. You always have to balance allowing some bad robocalls through in order to make sure that you don't prevent the good robocalls the best that I can say is it's really hard. And like, that's why we have a business. That's why we have a product, right. To make sure that we, and again, we don't get it hundred percent, right. Um, nothing is, is perfect, but um, even if we can stop, you know, one or two more robocalls, I don't know how many life savings we've, 
we've prevented, especially older people, you know, um, or people that have like uh, older, older parents and things like, um, you know, the, especially landlines and things. Nomorobo is the only thing right now on the available on landlines. We're, we're free on, on, uh, on landlines for all the major carriers. Cause we felt that, uh, this is a way of of really protecting the the most vulnerable people, right? Those older people. If you notice the mis- the robocall messages, right? Fake Medicare and back braces and knee. These are targeting older people, um, and I just you know. I don't know. This is a place in hell for yeah. those people who are trying I, to take advantage I of. I certainly agree. And, and you know, the, this is interesting to me too, because the, uh, you mentioned the landlines uh, and having that capability. Now I know that uh, on, on a wireless phone, mobile phone, a uh, consumer can get the app and, and control some of that themselves. Uh, we'll talk about that a bit too, but mm-hmm. uh, how does this work on landline? Does that have to all be performed at the carrier side as, as part of the service to the consumer? Well, that was the that was the reason the FTC chose Nomorobo as the winner. So we piggyback off of something called simultaneous ringing, and uh, this is just one of the services that is available on your VoIP phone. So that's the one thing we're not available on traditional, you know, copper analog phone lines. It just doesn't support the new technology. But um, VoIP, if you have um, telephone service through your cable provider or a company like Uma or Vonage, right, that you get a separate box, but um, effectively, uh, you put uh, our access number into your simultaneous ring list, and that opens up a way. We're basically sitting in your house now, looking at every call that comes through, and you think about it like, oh, Nomura was watching it. If it sees it's a robocaller, it answers it, you know, before uh, either on the first ring or before that, and then we challenge the caller and we say, uh, you know, this phone is protected by Nomura Robo. Uh, please type the number seventy-two or sixty-three or whatever. Um, if they can do that. We send the call through and it rings and that's for, you know, to prevent false, uh, you know, uh, false negatives, false catches of, of good calls that it catches. Um, and other than that, you hear the one ring and then it goes away. It's like we pick it up and we hang it up and um, yeah, super easy. You go to nomorobo.com, you set it up. Mobile is easy too. You just download the app. It takes care of everything in the background. So yeah, all of the things that we've done, uh, we have integrated with with some of the carriers, but um, we just didn't let anything stop us, right? We weren't going to wait until one of the big carriers came along and said, "Okay, now we're ready to use your technology." Mm-hmm. That that that's probably still five to you know eight years away. In the meantime, consumers are just getting bombarded with these things, and we got to give them you know, an answer. And challenging a call, you can at least so far probably be pretty sure there's a human being that's. Uh, listening and not a, a, a robotic computer doing a power dialing situation. That's exactly right. And you, you know, so many people think like blocking, stopping in all of these robocall scams and just robocalls in general, we have to look at it on like a, a spectrum. And at one end of the spectrum are the obvious scams, right? Again, fake government, uh, fake uh, postal service, right? Fake Medicare, uh, the the Amazon scam where they say that, you know, the the there was a fake charge on your, right? We'll just go on the absolute scams. That needs to be blocked. I say blocked, right? Stopped at the network level. It shouldn't get on. It shouldn't uh, stay on. It shouldn't get to the consumer, right? And on the other end of this spectrum is the good robocalls. So prescription reminders, doctor's reminders, uh, you know, a, a pandemic uh, robocalls, all those, right? And we, we can all agree that those need to be allowed through. And then in the middle, are all the kind of the gray areas, right? Debt collectors, surveys, you know, all those kinds of like legal, but wanted or unwanted, right? And so I feel like the industry has always been like, unless there's one solution that literally stops every single bad call, every allows every single good call through and all of these gray area ones, it knows we're not going to do anything. And that's just kind of ridiculous, right? Look, we well, can stop the bad ones, block them. The gray area ones, 
challenge, sent a voicemail, some sort of other kind of middle ground. And the good ones led on through. And, and that's just the way that we look at everything over here. But the, you know, carriers, these are big companies. They, they, they don't move very, they don't move as quickly as like a startup, like a small company like ours. So, you know, our, our customer is the consumer and, and our job is to help them and to make their lives better. So on the mobile phones, uh, I guess there's, uh, there's apps for like Android and uh, iPhone mm-hmm. and on iPads and those types of things. Um, is that, that's obviously something that the customer has to go out to the app store or the Google play store and download the app and then subscribe. Is that correct? Correct. And, and it's, and, and again, I think that, you know, people want some sort of solution that they can help themselves because then when the carriers start putting something in, they're like, Oh, you know, this is privacy and looking at this and don't stop calls that I want. So, and it is, it's like a, a public private kind of partnership here where consumers have some responsibility. Um, but the carriers have a large responsibility here. And as, as long as we don't pass the buck and say, okay, you know, you know, even whatever your carrier is offering, that's great. And if it's good enough, perfect, right? If you want to layer on something on the consumer level, great. If you just want to do the consumer level, perfect. Like, you know, all these different things, that's what it's about, right? Choice where everybody's comfortable and just stopping people from, um, you know, getting scammed, even like on the older, you know, the, the older folks, they need more protection than some younger guy who just, you know, never even answers his phone anyway, and everything gets sent to voicemail. So tailoring that to the audience, I think is just, you know, it's, it's knowing, knowing what you're trying to accomplish here. Now, I know there's a, a blacklist involved. Is it, is it totally blacklist? Uh, and, and, or is it a combination of whitelist blacklist and uh, how long did it take to compile and what was your, your seed of numbers that you actually started with? I mean, that, so that great, seems, great. seems like a huge yeah. effort. Phenomenal questions, right? It's like, we call it the cold start problem or like the, you know, you've, uh, you open up a new fancy, you know, nightclub and you want all the cool people to come, but cool people only go to a club that cool people go to, right? How do you prime that pump, right? If you on day one, and that was actually the the biggest issue. So I, I had the idea for Simmering, I had all that, but right, how do we build the block and allow lists to let good calls through and stop the bad calls? And um I was talking to the FC, FTC right after they were talking. I was, I was mentioning this. I said, "How do we? How are we going to prime this pump?" They're like, "We have a lot of complaints from the do not call list, right? The, you know, when anybody files a complaint on the do not call list, that comes into our database." I said, "Well, that would be really helpful." And they said, "Well, that is public information. If you file a Freedom of Information Act request," I said that sounds like a great idea. Right. And so I did that and they sent me, this is back in the day, right. They sent me a CD-ROM with five years of do not call complaint data. And look, it was, it, was it perfect? No way. And and now, you know, they make it available that you can download um, on a daily basis. We don't use it anymore. We, we feel that it's a little bit, you know, it's a little dirty. It's, it's a little bit slower, but on day one, you know, it was great. The false positive rate for that data was, you know, over 10%. Yeah. is ridiculous. If I look back now, you know, we're less than a 10th of a percent, but on day one, it was good enough to create the first version of the algorithm that then got the pump primed, got people using it, even if it was only like half as effective, then we started getting the real-time data in. Um, and then the algorithm again, builds that dynamic you know, block list and then the allow list. And it's continually changing, right? Yesterday's list it's the block list scrubbed of the the good numbers scrubbed of the allowed numbers um yesterday's list is you know was good yesterday it's not really great today and and an hour ago's list isn't as good as the information right now because the scammers are just you know they're they're burning numbers they're generating them they're spoofing them they're doing all this it's a constant you know they're constantly evolving like just like viruses right that yeah. that's the key you know no robo or any of these robocall blocking services 
should be looked at as like an immune system um, for the phone, right? There's no protection on voice or text, right? Mm-hmm. Text message spam is out of control now also. We, we, could you imagine using email without spam protection or, or a, a computer without antivirus or a server without a firewall, right? Any of these things are like, you know, ridiculous, but that's the way that the voice and text channels are right now. And those are literally like in your pocket. It's inches away from your body. And that's the thing that has the least amount of protection on it. And the fact that uh, those uh, databases full of numbers, I'm sure they're much larger today, even you know, from a year ago, uh, as you add uh, new numbers and the, uh, the uh, scammers and the robocallers burn through uh, telephone numbers at an alarming rate. I mean, I, I can imagine yeah. uh, some, some of my background working with uh, things like area code splits and uh, mm-hmm. when you run out of numbers. Uh, with the proliferation first of things like pagers, then you know mobile phones, and and now uh, IP numbers, and uh, it's um, it probably exacerbates, I would think, uh, the availability well, yeah, of and, numbers to use. And the other side, there's been so many data breaches just this week, right? Like the T-Mobile was hacked. I don't know how mm-hmm. many, but they say 40 million. Well, what do you think is going to happen to those numbers, right? The criminals are going to get it, and they're going to start selling it to the robocallers, right? So is it? And then if they can kind of piece it together, they know an area code that you live in, they can go again on the, the medical, um, like on the, on the, some of the Medicare scams, right. They know that you have purchased, you know, durable medical equipment. They know that you're an older person or you have older relatives, right. They putting that data together is trivial. And then they blast all of these calls out to those numbers, right. It's, it's obvious to me why it's happening and it's only getting worse and going to get worse because of everything that you hear in the news. That being said, the good news is there's now solutions to it. So, you know, the more the more solutions that we can throw to this problem, um, the better. It's never going to go away, but it just has to be more manageable. Now, if somebody thinks their number is being uh, blocked or, or not let through for uh, mistaken reasons, hey, got on the, on the blacklist or uh, got reported and it's really, it shouldn't be there. What is the procedure there that, to correct that situation? Yeah. And this happens all the time, right? We're super easy to work with. You know, you send an email to uh, reports at nomorobo.com or you fill out, um, you make a report on the web of the number and then what it is. Um, and so the the to get onto the block list is all automated. To get off of it is 100% human, right? Humans have to go and review it. Um, and most of the time it's pretty clear cut, right? Uh, doctor's office got flagged as a robocaller. Great. So we take that on off. Then there's certain ones that, um, again, just today, like there was a, a company that I was talking to this morning, on, they do a lot of surveys. Um, they said, well, you know, we're, we're legal and this, that, and the other thing. And I went and looked at, you know, they were, they were calling into our honeypot a lot, which is numbers that shouldn't be called. The complaints that were coming in from the users were saying that they call incessantly. There's nobody there. I said, look, you know, this is just showing that your list hygiene is not fantastic. I'm not making judgments, right? Uh, you can do your business any way you want. I'm like, but your phone number's as far as our as far as our system sees it, have very very low reputation, and I can't just you know say well I like you or pay us money and I'll take you off right. We have to you know they even said well what do we do? I'm like we can put together some best practices and things, but like your numbers are staying on there until you kind of clean up your act. Um, it wasn't wasn't you know being a jerk about it. I was just saying this is this is the new world we live in, right? The you can't just call consumers incessantly and say well I have permission to do it, so I'm going to do it. it just the consumer gets to choose if you contact them and if you play by the rules and, you know, they like you, they want to get those calls, right? We, we On the text message side, we see tons of, of legitimate companies, brick and mortar retail that are sending, you know, offers and coupons and people are all excited about it. They want to save money. They want to go and, and 
um, you know, go to, go to, uh, you know, the stores that in and, and shop there and everything. So that's great. But if you just start bombarding people with text messages, because, you know, quote, you're allowed, it's just bad business and it's just mm-hmm. bad for the consumer. Yeah. Empowering the consumer to take control and take charge. I mean, uh, just two days ago, I counted, I had seven, uh, robocalls that came through that were just, uh, some of these scams, mostly, you know, the, the car warranty or, sure. or there's a, you know, warrant out for my arrest from the IRS and all these, these kinds of crazy scams that are going on. Um, and they always say, don't answer the phone. If you do get a call, what's the best procedure, particularly to a normal robo subscriber? Should they take the call and find out and then report it? Or should they still not answer it because their phone number may be used to call out their neighbors or how does all that uh, come into play? Yeah. So I, I, I hate that advice. Like don't answer calls. You don't recognize, right? Like I, I, I get it. It's about the best advice anybody can get other than obviously using technology, but if you're not going to use some technology or your phone doesn't support it or something, right. Don't answer calls that you don't know. It's basically saying, you know, take this device that you have that you pay for and whatever, and don't use it. Right. Well, that's, that's a real good way of, solving the problem, right? It should be like, you know what, just throw away your phone. I guarantee if you don't have a phone, I guarantee you won't get robocalls, right? So, but that's stupid because that's not going to happen, right? So the first part is to assuage every, everybody was here is like, oh, I just, you know, I just answered a robocall and now I'm going to get, you know, uh, scammed and they're charging my credit card and they're going to come to my house and steal my dog. And you're like, take a deep breath, calm down. <laughs> you know, answering the call is not that bad, right? They're like, well, just calm down. It's, fine. You know, it's not going to, well, I answered the call and then I got 17 other ones. You're like, I don't know. Right. We can't, we don't know the way that these scammers work. Maybe they do see it. And then they call more. If you, we, that we just anecdotally, right. Like we we've heard old wives tales of things also where you're like, you, you know, if you answer and say hello, and then they say, you know, is this so-and-so and you say, yes, it's like, oh, then they're going to use that audio recording of you saying yes. And charge that we've literally never seen that happen. Uh, again, somebody who's listening might, you know, well, a friend of a friend or whatever, you yeah. know, it's fine. So um, doing that is uh, not answering the phone. It's really uh, almost akin to pulling the internet connection out of your computer, I guess. There we go. Right. If you want to be, if you want to get hundred percent protection from uh, viruses, uh, throw away your computer. If you don't want to get email spam, throw away email. If you don't want to get robocalls, throw away your phone and then sit at home, I guess. I mean, that sounds actually kind of nice, right? Like I, we're not having your, your computer, your phone, your email, like that sounds like a vacation. Sometimes day, that but, is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> right. But on the other hand, you know, uh, if you want to talk to your friends and your family and emergency. So yeah. So in this case, right. Using technology is great. Is a perfect? No way. But um, that's the first line of defense going to carriers, using carriers that have built in uh, uh, technology that helps prevent these is great. If it is a number that you don't recognize, right? Like um, it's fine to answer it. And if it is just hang up, right? Don't engage. So you always like, you know, or push nine to get off the list. Don't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. We can almost guarantee that that will get you on the list, but picking it up, hearing it, hanging up on it, just get on with your, your day, report it to, it's great to report it to Nomorobo. Even if you don't use Nomorobo, report it to us, it goes into the algorithm. Um, I know the FTC says you can also report it there. And that's great for going for historical and like going after these guys and whatever. Problem is they just have so much data. It's, you really need to, to the, the timing of this, right? Like, cause we call them CDRs, right? Call detail records. Mm-hmm. They're only held on for, you know, hours or days. And so reporting something that happened a week, it, it, it's nice. It makes you feel good, but like, does it actually do anything? The, the thing that really does, does, work is technology and and don't be afraid of these things educate your friends fam listening to podcasts like this on you know don't buy anything over the, if anybody calls you 
automatic from an unknown number, be very, very skeptical, right? If they're from your bank, call the bank directly, right? If they're from Amazon, they're not from Amazon. If it's from Medicare, they're not from, right? Any of those yeah. things. But so many of them, this is easy advice to dole out. But when you're in the middle, and I never blame the victim, everybody, even when we started this call, right? Everybody thinks like, oh, who are these idiots that get scammed? It has nothing to do with intelligence. No, they're victims. Right? A- and I talked about this with the AARP folks. Exactly. You know, they're, it's exactly they're, right. They're the ones being victimized. And even uh, one that's being perpetrated among the uh, older folks, uh, especially the, the, those that are widowed and uh, are, mm-hmm. have been cooped up with these romance scams. People sure. call and take them for money and uh, you know, then, then they disappear. And it's the, I, I know it, uh, people feel ashamed after falling for something like that, but they shouldn't be. Uh, they need to come out and report it and talk about it because it could save somebody else the same situation. You said it, right? There's been, the, there was a story, you didn't even ask the FTC, right? Like somebody who basically lost their life savings to one of these phone scammers um, and they committed suicide because of it. Like, because then there was one, and there was another one where it was a lotto winner. It was one of the, like the, um, the scams that are, are out of Jamaica. And he, he really thought that he won and this was his family's inheritance. So that's what he, oh, he's, you know, oh, he kept boy. on. Till the very end, when they were saying, no, this is a scam, stop sending them money, he wouldn't, he wouldn't believe it. So, yeah, it's absolutely, you can't victim blame, you can't victim shame, you can't do anything like that. Look, you know, pe- these, these, the, the people at the other end of the phone are really good at what they do. And they even hear all the time people are like, oh, I, I answer it and I yell at them. But look, yes, are the, the, the operators are just doing their job, right? A lot of those people have, you know, lower educated, might have criminal histories, don't have a lot of options for, you know, occupations to work at. They got to take what they got, right? I never, don't yell at them. They're not the problem, right? The bosses are, the people who are putting together that company, running the company, working out deals with the shady telecom companies. Those are the people that know exactly what they're doing and are just in it for getting for the, the money. There's so many people that are getting victimized here, again, from the, the consumer who's losing money to the uh, person who's, uh, you know, the operator that's, 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 that's making the calls. And it, it, and then the, the, the price that the telephone companies pay for this whole thing, all this garbage on the network and everything. There's just, it's just, you know, pull the thread. There's just so much stuff there. Yeah. And there's no government agency or utility or anybody else that takes uh, Amazon gift cards or something. for this you, know, payment. <laughs> you know what? It's funny. You're, that's the one too. It's like, like, we'll pay your taxes in, in, uh, in right in Amazon gift cards. But like nowadays you can pay for anything with anything. Like that's you right. can like buy a pizza <laughs> with Bitcoin. So is it that far of a stretch that like the, the government wants their money so much that they'll take an iTunes gift card. It's not like, again, I've never talked to a victim of one of these scams, but like that kind of makes sense. Like, you know, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's such an interesting problem to be solving. And so I, I'm just very privileged every day to be able to, to, to solve it. Well, we appreciate the work you're doing there and, and uh, empowerment to consumers. I've got one last question before we let yeah. you go here. And I, I, I heard, uh, Something about a do not originate list being different from these uh, block lists. Can you maybe elaborate on that just a little bit? If that uh, would yeah. be something that would enlighten our listeners. It's great. You're right. So a, a do not originate list is sometimes uh, called like DNO. Um, there's a, a list of numbers that should never be making outbound calls. And the, the one that I worked on um, directly with the IRS is their main incoming line. I don't remember. It's an 800 number that ends in like 1040, like the um, tax return form. And so that number, if you call it, it's you know the main number for the IRS, and you can ask them all the call, uh, the calls and everything. I was talking to the uh, to the to the IRS 
um, agent that was responsible for all this. I was like, oh, okay, we'll just go and add this to add that number to our block list. And he's like, wait, no, no, but that's our number. And we, we don't want to be a, a robocaller and a scammer. I said, well, that number doesn't make any outbound calls, does it? He's like, no, it's only inbound. So if that number is ever making an outbound call, that's a scam, right? And he stopped and he said, well, yeah. I said, so it should be on our block list, right? And he said, yeah. And the DNO, the do not originate uh, list is a bunch of numbers like that that the, the, the list is maintained by like a central organization. I don't think it's governmental, but you know, industry where uh, they found a bunch of numbers that are only outbound numbers that are highly valuable and they should never be um, making calls out. And any carrier that makes calls from those numbers or any carrier that is calling, uh, is carrying traffic that has one of those calling numbers, um, they could just dump that traffic and never connect it. And like, it seems like a simple answer. So a, a DNO, a do not originate list is basically the same thing as our block list, right? It's, it's a, it's a very, very closely related. And the, the DNO list is very, very small, right? It's, it's maybe a few hundred, right? Our, our list is over four and a half million numbers. So um, it's, it, and it keeps changing and everything, but yeah, DNO is, is a great, again, there's, there's no one magic bullet. There's no one thing that's, that's going to save everything. There's no, oh, stay, sure, stir and shake and going to get it away. Nope. All that does is verified caller ID. DNO. Oh, well, we'll just DNO every number and whatever. Yeah. That system's kind of slow, but it'll prevent some of them. Oh, well, we need just technology. Yeah. That's, that's something good. And all of these things put together. Um, and we are seeing the volumes dropping a couple of years back. It was even more. So we hit the pinnacle a couple of years back. And now I think uh, as of last month, it was like 27% of all calls are robocalls or unwanted robocalls, which is, is down from in the forties, especially around election time with all the political calls. But, um, but still, if you figure there's billions of calls made, right, there's easily, you know, four or 5 billion calls made a day and a billion of them are, uh, you know, illegal or unwanted robocalls. This problem's just huge. Even if you see, if you get in seven of them, right. And there's you know, 330 million people in the United States, right? How many does that, that's just in the US, yeah. now extended out to North America, South America, Europe, globally. Well, I think it's the biggest, the, the biggest threat to consumer privacy and, and, and criminals and everything than that's out there. I think you have a, you have a bigger chance of, I'm definitely thinking you have a bigger chance of getting your money stolen by the phone uh, than, than getting robbed at gunpoint. Yeah. Well, we certainly are glad that there's uh, people out there like yourself who are helping to mitigate this problem. I don't think it'll ever totally go away, but... Uh, mitigate, I like that. Yeah, yeah. not end, mitigate, yeah, reduce. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, uh, ending it would be, be nice, but like you say, there's a lot of calls that need to come through. Uh, people get calls from their doctors and such, and uh, so it's, uh, it's important, but it's uh, differentiating those. I, I really, uh, I'm amazed, and I've learned a lot, and I'm an old telecom guy, so I've learned a lot with this conversation today. And I hope our listeners have as well. So we've been talking to Aaron Foss. He's the CEO and founder of Nomo Robo. And Aaron, if uh, somebody wants more information, uh, want to talk, talk about your website or where they can go, what they can do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just go to nomorobo.com. All the instructions are there. Again, set it up free on landlines. Um, we have a free trial on our mobile uh, app to make sure that it uh, it works for you. Try it out. Um, and yeah, we, we never share any data. We don't sell any data. We don't do any kind of advertising. We're big privacy, uh, privacy focused here. So, um, yeah, check it on out. And, uh, if you, you got any questions, right. You can just write into our, our support, uh, line where we're here to, we're here to help. And, uh, yeah, thanks for helping get the, the word out of, uh, really appreciate it. Especially the, the audience that's listening. Um, they're, I think they're smarter than the average bear, right. They're not going to get caught by these scams. We know that, but 
to know how it is and to help them protect their their neighbors and their friends, especially their family and things. Um, I think you're doing a great job here. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it and uh, let you get back to your day here. But thanks again so much. And uh, we'll be talking again, maybe somewhere down the road. When something new comes along. We'll be uh, chatting again. I'll be here. All right. Thank you, Aaron. Welcome back in to Boomers and More. This is Bob Heidi, along with my good buddy, Randy Kendrick. And we've been talking with Aaron Foss, CEO and founder of Nomo Robo. And what a, what a great name. Yeah, it's a great name and it's a, a great service. I've actually used on the uh, iPhone, their iOS version, and I can talk a little bit about that. But the thing, Bob, that really impresses me is there are other solutions. I mean, you can just not answer your phone. That's not a good idea. Or you can uh, set your phone only to let calls ring through that are in your contacts list. But then when you get those unexpected, important calls from people that aren't on your on your list, you miss those calls. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's really a great solution, I think, to to handle just those very concerns. Yeah, it's uh it's like taking a, a sledgehammer versus a scalpel when you block everything or when you just don't answer your phone. You're paying for the phone. You're paying for the service. Uh, it's a shame to let people not let you use it for your own purposes that you bought the phone for. Great analogy. And, you know, the uh, experience I've had using Nomo Robo is really excellent. Uh, it, it does block out calls that are on their known list. And like Aaron talked about, that, uh, that list changes continually as it gets updated. But one of the things that the users do is they can report a number. If, if a call gets through and it is a robocall, then the app on your phone lets you notify them, here's a suspicious number or this number was a robocall, and you need to look at adding that to the list. And, and what a great idea that is. Yeah, it, it really works well. It's not very expensive, and I don't remember exactly what the – uh, the cost is per month. I could have asked Aaron that, I guess, but it's uh, it's between a dollar to a dollar ninety nine or something. I think it's a dollar a phone, if I remember. And if if that's not exactly right, uh, Aaron, forgive me, but uh, that's my recollection. It's like a cup of coffee at McDonald's, right? Yeah, and so to keep those calls from coming in, sends them off. Uh, they they don't even uh, ring through to you. It's uh, a good service for sure. And the thing is that Aaron got this whole idea by just the, you know the old saying that uh, a necessity is the mother of invention well this is a, a prime example of that uh, when the ftc had that uh, competition uh, to find a solution to this problem then mm -hmm. uh, he came up with one and uh, it's very creative use of things like simultaneous ring and uh, other technologies to keep the robocalls from getting through and, and he did mention there are good robocalls uh, things such as Reverse nine one one, or, or uh, you know, doctor's offices confirming appointments, the calls that you want to get, and there are other calls that are by law uh, allowed to robocall you, and uh, things that the companies you've done business with, and I believe political campaigns, I think, fall into that as well. Ah, oh, yes, that's lovely. Yeah, <laughs> those we never <laughs> get rid of, and and we don't like to get into politics on this program, but boy, it's it's a mess, <laughs> and uh, so. Uh, if you could eliminate those, that would be nice, and uh, I, I don't know that you're allowed to do that. But uh, anyway, uh, some robocalls are necessary and some are desired, so you don't want to block all of them. So many people in our age group, you know, that I talk to on a daily basis, there's not a day that goes by that somebody doesn't say something about how irritated 
or how inconvenienced they are by robocalls. So this is a great solution. Yeah, it certainly is. Well, you know, talking about phone numbers and you see them come up on caller ID and they're uh, not the right number that uh, they're calling from or it's a, it's a number you think may be a legitimate call, but you don't remember whose number it is. Maybe think about memory. And I heard something. I was driving around today, uh, just running errands, picking up groceries and so forth. And NPR, I'll be happy to steal from NPR. They have good stuff. But I didn't hear the full program uh, because I was uh, in and out and, and on and off with the car. But uh, uh, there's a program on I'm going to have to go back and listen to about memory. And you talk about people our age. You know, I, I can remember what I did you know, 50 years ago, but I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's... Uh, a fairly common thing nowadays for for a lot of people, but um, I heard an interesting way to remember a list, and I thought I would share that with our listeners while we're talking about uh, about memory, uh, peripherally anyway. Uh, work this into the to the uh, whole context of the show. But uh, the guest on that program was talking about a way to remember a list, and what he said, I thought this was pretty clever. Uh, you imagine yourself coming home. And imagine four places in your house, like the front porch, uh, the, the bathroom, the, the coat closet, the kitchen, the you know, bed, bedroom. Uh, let's say you've got four things on a list you want to remember. Then you mentally associate each of those items with a place in your house as you walk through. And that is some kind of a mental device to help you remember the list. Mm-hmm. And it, it causes you to be very mindful about uh, what is happening in the here and now so that you can commit it to memory. Yeah, this program was about a whole lot more than uh, than just that, but it was about memory in general and uh, the the um, credibility of witnesses in court cases and uh, just on and on. And I just heard bits and pieces of it. But I thought that was a pretty good piece of advice that I would pass along to our listeners as well. Well, and I think it's a great piece of advice for our listeners because, as you know, there are a number of people our age who go out to the kitchen and go, why am I here? Yeah, looking for the glasses that are up on your head or (laughs) the car keys that are in your hand. (laughs) Right. I think we've all been there. Yes, we have. Okay, Bob. Well, I guess that's uh, about it for this program. We'll be back in the next episode, and we want everybody to uh, stay tuned for that one. Check back in and uh, subscribe to the podcast, and you'll be notified then of when new episodes come out. Again, this is Boomers and More. I'm Randy Kendrick. And Bob Heidi. And we will see you next time. Bye now. Bye now.